We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. As we hit record on today's show, we are about 48 hours removed from the firing of Gerson Rosas and less than 72 hours away from the introductory press conference of Alex Rodriguez and Mark Lori, which is just a crazy sentence right there. Um, not great timing for that, but uh, that, that press conference is only the beginning of Monday. Um, after A-Rod and Lori and Glenn Taylor all talk. Then we have the introduction of Sasha Gupta, the new president of basketball operations or the Gerson Rosa's uh, replacement. Carl's going to talk, which we'll see how that goes. D'Angelo Russell will probably be like mysterious. Anthony Edwards will probably be hilarious. Um, all of that is what's kind of looking forward here for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, also, Ben Simmons showing up at Media Day on Monday will be interesting. That's looking forward as well. <clears throat> but for today's podcast, we're going to look backwards. Um, Andy Grimsrud, who you all probably know better as at PD Wolves on Twitter from punchdrunkwolves.com, is, is here to talk to me today about the article he wrote. Andy, how you doing? I'm doing great. Dane, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's like Wednesday was crazy, but now I feel like we're all we're in this little Timberwolves worldwide. We're in this little middle zone where it's that happened. We <laughs> What's next? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah, we're we, right there. We've had a few of these things happen uh, of different <laughs> sorts. Right. And it, you, it's amazing how, how uh, the world moves on. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, we we've known each other since. 2018, I guess, something like that. Uh, mm. And it's just crazy. It just We've sat at, next to each other at games for, for many years. And it is funny to just, as I was kind of doing with Britt on the last podcast of, I mean, this one's different, but yeah. this isn't our first time of like, oh, here comes chaos, you know, or here is chaos. There's been, there's been a lot of that in these, in these three years. For sure. Yeah, no, there's been, uh, you know, Tibbs being fired right after a big win over the Lakers. There's, well, I mean, you, <laughs> could, you could, yeah, that. you know, you can run. Yeah, no, that, that was <laughs> not too far in time. Oh, well, how about Ryan Saunders getting fired and then getting a permanent head coach put in about it, what, 45 minutes later is like the, 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 the storm of, of activity that was. And, and you could just go back in time. There's been all kinds of 
craziness. So many. Jimmy Butler's so many. trade demand. Kevin Love's trade demand. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> rarely, rarely boring. <laughs> I, I wonder, like, how much Sashin Gupta actually has his head wrapped around, like, all of the dysfunctional things that have happened here, like pre his time. I mean, there's been a lot in the past three years, but I wonder if he truly like gets knuckle push-ups and Joe Smith and all those sort of things. Cause this is sadly, sadly for Timberwolves fans, nothing, nothing new at all. Not at all. No. Um, So Andy, Andy wrote, uh, I I thought a really, Andy's one of my favorite Timberwolves writers out there. And he wrote a really, um, you're in a position, Andy, as, as a blogger where, it's like what I love about reading you is it's no punches pulled ever in your writing or or on Twitter. And and it's something that brings, I think, a very, you know, different perspective to the, you know, the, the Timberwolves media space. And it's, you know, it's it's your opinion and and based in, you know, being around the team, watching the team, obviously, all those things, being in the locker room, press conferences, all that. And. And it, it's cool because, because I, I respect where you're coming from. Yet, oftentimes, find myself disagreeing with with where you're at. And I think if there's one thing, you know, it's it's for for the two of us where we've been, you know, going back to kind of the beginning of the Rosas time, where I've been like, man, I don't know, I'm not seeing this the way Andy's seeing this, and you're probably thinking the same thing uh, on me. So, so what like what better time <laughs> than for you to for you to come on after after Gerson Rosas has been fired. But I, I thought the thing that really stood out to me as I was reading your piece today was that like you were out on Gerson Rosas from day one. And I think that part was like is, is very unique. I would maybe say like day like 15. <laughs> I, I I was out on him as a I, I didn't trust him or, or feel as if he was owed a, uh, a benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. so to speak, which I think is maybe a term that people give new coaches, new presidents of basketball is, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt, let him build his team. I, I was kind of out on that benefit of the doubt uh, concept after the, the Ryan Saunders announcement um, and the way that it was, it was carried out. I, Right. That's what stood out to me. Yeah. Which, which is, is a good point. And I, I'm sorry to kind of interrupt you right out of the jump, but I was actually, um, I think I was pretty happy with the, the hire when it was announced, you know, this guy who's comes from the Maury tree, like moving on from Thibodeau. I mean, I like Thibodeau of course, but I, I didn't want to hire a bad president of basketball to be the next guy. I mean, I wanted to get someone good. I, I still liked a lot of our players, obviously. And, and I wanted it to be a, a good successful transition. Um, and I thought Rosas had the resume for that. Um, but you know, th- they announced the, the interviews of a bunch of kind of intriguing coach candidates, new guys, you know, young guys like Jawan Howard and David Vanterpool Chris Finch, did Chris Finch interview? Chris Finch, yeah, yep. Chris Finch. I mean, these are guys who would fit the bill of like um, first-time NBA head coaches. They all have diverse backgrounds of, you know, either playing professionally like Howard and Vanterpool had, or Finch had kind of done the like twenty to twenty-five year grind of you know coaching, head coaching here, assistant coaching here, been around the world. I, I'm quickly hijacking this whole pod and no, my, no, I, 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 my old Ryan. No, no, be, but but. Good. But, I, this but, was this was stood out to me. Yeah, but anyway, you know, we had had the months long, little steady drumbeat of of news reports, whether it be from John Krasinski or Mark Stein or Adrian Woj, 
warning us that Ryan Saunders was expected to be the head coach before Gerson Rosehouse was even a thing. And so all the dots are connecting to Ryan's taken care of by Glenn uh, or whoever is in Glenn's close circle. You know, I might, you might know that better than me, but Glenn's Glenn's people were had Ryan situated to be the coach before they had chosen a president. And when he was interviewed to be president, Ryan was a part of that process. Now did he, I don't think he interviewed him, but he was around him when he was here. And it's like, yeah, don't then come when you get the job, <laughs> with this forceful rebuke of, you know, voices like mine who are questioning it, like just there's an easy way to present Ryan as the coach if you're Rosas and it's emphasizing continuity and just kind of saying, you know, look, obviously he has a, he has a position here and, you know, instead it was like this kind of like, which would have been fair. That would have been fair. Like, yeah, I wouldn't have been happy with it, but it's a, it's, it's the, it's the reality and it's the justification as opposed to this notion that he's emphasizing that he's like the best candidate possible for the right. job. And I'm like, come on, like it, that was too much. So I, I was sensing kind of salesmanship at, at an unlikable level on a sensitive issue for, for my fandom and what I had hoped to see happen. I'm like, he was, mm-hmm. he was like twisting the knife and, and it was real irritating. And so uh doesn't mean I, I, I didn't try to give him a fair shake on things that transpired after that. I continue to say, I, I love the 2020 draft picks Ant and, and Jaden McDaniels, which he was entirely responsible for, for getting um, real happy with that. I, I'm ex- excited about this team's future, you know, maybe two to three years down the road from now, or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, but, but I, yeah, as far as being like in or out on Rosas, yeah, I, my, I took a negative turn early and um, there were, I, there I were think 50, for you know, me, I think for me, it was like, yeah, you know, you, you got the, I guess I was more so just intrigued by the idea that this is going to be a modern general manager, president of basketball operations, whatever you want to call it, that, you know, is going to, what is my personal belief is like to have success, you know, in the, I don't know, this decade, right? Yeah. The old school GMing. Um, probably has a ceiling to it or at best has a ceiling to it at worst is just not gonna, you know, it's just not going to work. And I was more in the camp, probably caught up in the moment of a lot of the dysfunction of the end of the Thibodeau era of like, okay, I think that's what Tibbs and Layden were, you know, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, it, Gerson Rosa's is Daryl Moritry, as you said, all those sort of things. Like I believe in modern roster construction and, and these sort of things, winning on the margins, I think, is how you do it. And and so I think blind, I don't know if the word's blinded, but it's funny in hindsight, you, you know, you lay that all out there with Saunders and, and and we know what happened with Ryan. He ended up not being a very strong coach. And you're like, I don't know. It, it's funny in this like business where you go, ah, all right, I missed that one. You know, like, why did I miss it? But it, it kind of, but but that that is why you miss things is because you're, you believe in something else, right? Like the, you believe the positives outweigh uh, the negatives potentially of, of that. And, and so I was just kind of like ready to roll with it. Even if I thought that, you know, Ryan's tenure might be temporary. Um, but then I think as time went on, it kind of became a little bit more clear and like, and by time went on, like maybe like we talk a year, mm-hmm. you just kind of started to hear more things that like, Chris Finch is his guy. 
And I, 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 I would say a year before Ryan was fired, I, I was saying here that I think the next coach of the Timberwolves is going to be Chris Finch. Yeah. And, and it just, it, I think that's what probably kind of rubs me the wrong way in hindsight is like, you know, Ryan was just kind of put up here to like take the ax of the, the, the necessary tanking years. Well, yeah. I, you might push back on the necessary tanking years part well, of it, but like yeah. it was going to be somewhat bad at the beginning, right? They had all these contracts they had to, to get rid of. They had to kind of maybe tank to get a good pick in, you know, in, in some sort of ways to, to rebuild. And that was just going to carry a lot of losing. And if Chris Finch would have came in right away at the beginning, which might have been Gerson's preference from the beginning, then, you know, then he's wearing that backpack of what a 92 L's, right? Rather yeah. than Ryan having them. And then you cut, the, you you know, you cut that off and here's Chris now, like yeah. with a, you know, with a kind of fresh start at a time when the team is like, quote unquote, about to, to, you know, to take off. So that part rubbed me wrong. And, 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 you know, that's a lot, a lot of that is, is perception too, but that's where kind of my head was at with it. Yeah, no. And you're the Ryan uh, being kind of set up to fail thing is, even though I was pretty vocal or, you know, whatever Twitter fingers are, they're not vocal, but I, I I've been kind <laughs> of forceful and, and, and uh, being um, anti everything about the, the Ryan Saunders getting the permanent head coaching job. I didn't mind him getting the interim job. I thought that made, made enough sense, but um I do think there's something to that notion that maybe he was set up to fail and that to get more grand conspiratorial and it may factor into the extent to which he was given Ryan as a part of the deal, as opposed to him truly independently picking, you know what I mean? Like, let's just say hypothetically, I'm right. That Glenn Taylor Mm. applied some level of pressure where Rosas felt I'm getting this job, but maybe, you know, I'm getting it in part because I'm playing along with the coaching situation well, kind of like the same thing as A-Rod and Lori right now too, right? Yeah. Like there's kind of like some, you got to play along with Glenn. You got, yeah, his absolutely. 2020-20 sort of thing. And yeah. you got to but you if gotta he, write stuff down on paper and handshakes and all that. Yeah, I think like, that's a say, part yeah, of Glenn. If it was part of the, if, if, if Ryan was a quasi-mandatory term of getting the job, well, maybe then Rosas in the back of his mind is thinking, well, uh, this isn't the guy I would have necessarily hired or it's flat out. Not the guy I would have hired. I would have hired Chris Finch, my guy from, from Houston and, and I'm going to hire him. Um, and in order to make that happen, maybe there needs to be a little short term pain. So maybe I just won't get a power forward. Maybe I'll give ours to Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> even though he makes about $1 million. No, no you know, he had, a, he had one more year of cheap salary. It, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't does. an imminent uh, salary move the way some of those might've been more salary. Well, let's, let's talk about that. Let's, let's talk about the moves. Because you you went through that um, extensively in your article, and and you did highlight you know as as you just said twenty twenty draft was a hit, um, then you know other things on very on the margins you know Nas Reed Jordan McLaughlin stuff like that undrafted, Chris Finch you know was a success there too but I think like the Sarich move at the time before we even knew Jarrett Culver was going to be bad. Mm was really like what you felt about that move what that kind of created right the the bifurcation between the Tibbs people yeah. and the Rosas people right like cuz your oh, I, I guess I could just let you say your own yeah. vision but like but I'm kind of over here like oh yeah right this is executive on the margins like it's not you know you're you're trading Dario Saric who you're probably not going to bring back 
um, to move up to six to be able to get, you know, your guy. Like, that doesn't seem like too high of a price, whatever, whatever. Again, semi-blinded like I am. Whereas you're on the other side here being like, you know, Darius Arch is a pretty good player, right? And if you have to pay Darius Arch in a year, that probably means he's worth it, right? Yeah. Well, I yeah, like I um, I kind of view Dario as like an off like a in football like a solid like a starting offensive guard or something. It's like <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not going to pay him a huge salary, and um, no one really cares that much about him. But if he's injured or he's gone, like you got to replace him functionally. And if you don't, you're right. you know you're going to lose like. Um, it's not about him as much as kind of what he represented that being like a capable NBA veteran starter at a clear starting position who has won games. And like um, when you, when you gut the roster of like all of the guys who I just, like all the guys who meet that description, Taj Gibson, Tyus Jones, Dario Sarge, Robert, I mean, Robert Covington was kind of replaced in a way, I guess, mm. but um, D Rose, D Derek Rose, like you're, I mean, yeah. Like, they're all replaceable, but none of them were replaced. And that would be the best, that'd be the best way I can put it. They were right. like in those spots, you had Jordan McLaughlin, Nas Reed. I mean, the next year, of course, Jaden McDaniels, Anthony Edwards, like we were excited about those guys, but all, time. all of this comes in the context of, uh, you know, what I, what I wrote and I kind of wrote more directly last year, which is like, he didn't come in for Towns's rookie year or second year or third year or, I mean, what did I, it was his fifth year he was starting, I think, when Rose yeah, came. That would have been fifth year. Yeah, yeah, like like I was looking back on it because David Kahn came in um, when Kevin Love – David Kahn and Kevin Love famously clashed, and it was obvious to anyone paying attention to people who know things that Kahn didn't properly value Love when he took over. He might have even shopped him for trades. Anthony Randolph's the name people bring up. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if that's true or not. Zach Harper probably is, knows. But, um, but uh, like – Sorry, like Khan and Kevin Love is a relationship where a GM takes over and like, okay, guts the whole team, except Kevin Love, gets rid of Al Jefferson, you know, gets rid of Randy Foy, gets rid of Mike Miller. Like he's gonna gut the team and build it around Love. Except Love had, was one year into the under his career at that point. You can sure. you can do that when your prize asset is is just out of high school two years. Like Carl Towns was has, was a four year vet who's who was soaring upward of like you know best player to build around best player to build around all NBA in his third year in the league you know playoffs and then like okay he hits a hiccup him and Jimmy famously don't get along he doesn't get along with Tibbs um, and, and then it doesn't go well and you you're not at a position to just blow it up from scratch like you can't. And why I called it a half measure is that he kind of thought he could keep Towns, keep this thing on the Towns timeline, um, have Towns be like his prize player, but also like disregard the concept of winning. And, you know, if you have a good coach, and I do think Ryan's inadequacies are irrelevant here, because I do think like someone like Chris Finch, if you give him, you know, give him like some combo of the Teague, Tyus, Derek Rose, you know, three, keep right. some of that, keep some of that happening at the point guard. And then you got like Wiggins, Rocco, Dario, cat, whatever. Like, I think someone like Chris Finch or, or another good NBA coach takes a team like that with like towns, Covington, Sarge, Wig, even Wiggins, you know, Wiggins played his worst mm -hmm. ball under Ryan at times and some of his best actually, but 
I, I think they could win 40 plus games if the stars align. Like maybe they wouldn't win 40, but if things went well, I could, right, I get you. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not a roster. That's mm-hmm. just crap. It's like a lot, like you got guys who've made all-star teams, guys who've made all defensive teams. Um, but instead Rosas gets rid of like all the veteran support around towns and Wiggins. And to be fair to, to like, whatever, I, I don't know what I'm, Wiggins like truly played horribly toward the end of <laughs> end of his Minnesota yeah. run there. Like he was right. checked out. Like it's the worst I've ever seen him look. Was, uh, but I, well, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think like what, what, what's interesting, it's a good line where you say like a bunch of players that just weren't replaced, like yeah. replaceable players that weren't replaced. And what ended the, the replacement ended up being like specifically for Dario, but the replacement for Dario Saric as the starting power forward next to Cat was Robert Covington, who was the starting small forward at the Wait. time. And I remember that night at the draft, like there was literally no power forwards on the roster, yeah. which turned out to be a theme of the entire Rosas regime. Yeah. But but I remember like remember how that, that trade had gone down so Rosas couldn't really talk about it. Like right, we had to wait for a while until the till the Sarge deal and the Culver, like Culver couldn't play in summer league, all that. Oh yeah. So I'm like trying to, I'm trying to like ask a question that's about the power forward position that he can answer. And I don't remember exactly how I framed it, but his answer was, well, Robert Covington's best position uh, is as a power forward. So that is what kind of triggered it all off for everyone that were like, okay, this is the framework of the roster now where it's going to be a little bit, it's going to be, you know, small ball, with Cat and Rocco in the front court, you know, will Wiggins there we'll figure out the, you know, kind of the other, the other guard, the, the guards over, over time. And that was the framework. And that's, that's really when I started, I remember at media day, that first media day, the whole messaging was all just like small ball, small ball, small ball. And I remember what I wrote that day was just like, I remember coming home from it and, and just going through the league, right. You just do the depth charts thing. And I think it was like, I, I I split the teams up into like massive, like medium, like size, right? And yeah. then small. And I had 13 teams, not all of which were good, but like 13 teams that were like massive, where it was like, it's like Andre Drummond and Kevin Love together in yeah. Cleveland. Yeah. Like that's a big front court, you know? And And it just was, I don't know if I was like waving the red flag at that time, but I like right away, like put a pin in it where I was like, are we sure that going like this small with cat not being massive himself right it, it is gonna actually work but again my, myself included Rosas is new this is working on the margins a, a, a new sort of team like small balls kind of in vogue like let, let's I was I was skeptical but I'm like okay like let's see let's see how it, it works maybe maybe they'll get bigger in time, right? Or yeah. maybe they'll, they'll test it out and they'll see how it works. And then kind of the rest is history in that Rocco didn't work as a four, right? De- for de- defensively, it didn't, well, I mean, I'm not saying Covington's a bad defender, yeah. but they did not defend well with Cat and Covington together in the front court. Right. Yeah. And I, and I don't, yeah, I would probably underestimated the potential of Rocco at the four. I, I remember when I was kind of early on, kind of writing it off i had people on twitter like sharing like you know stats from this or that website telling me he's always played the four played a lot of it i'm like oh okay well maybe i got that wrong but i think what you touched on was a bigger part too like cat's not a big center and so Mm -hmm. you're going small center small four 
and then like our threes are not guys who play particularly big. Like you don't have like yeah. those. Uh, like Wig is big, but like yeah. not strong necessarily. Yeah. Like you want to, you'd want to have like an Alfred Camino or a Jonathan uh, Isaac or or you know yeah. someone of that ilk who or uh, like you know older date myself more like a Sean Marion or something, or like a Jaden McDaniels like that. Sure. You want some guys like that in the mix and the wing positions mm-hmm. to sort of collectively add a little, add a little collective got length. Trevion Graham. Yeah. Who else? Are you Jake Lehman. Yeah. Like, yeah. It wasn't, uh, there wasn't a lot of guys who were like, going to boot, like give a little extra boost to the whole situation, you know, fly in for tip balls and stuff and make it a little more like gang rebounding. It, it was mm. just sort of, um, just to get smaller it failed miserably yeah it failed miserably whatever it is and it's like it it remains the biggest like it remains the biggest question mark with this team right like can you defend with carl anthony Towns? yeah and i guess the glass half full is what we learned in that time is you probably can't defend with carl anthony towns as your center if the rest of your roster is small yeah what i think we don't know is is can you defend with Carl Anthony Towns as your center if you have a little bit more size and strength at the four and throughout, you know, throughout the rest of your rotation in that sort of way? Like, we can't necessarily prove that with the Tibbs era either because that wasn't a good defensive team either. Were they really good with, um, I forget, because, you know, it's we have to, like, pluck. 10 game samples yeah. of each season to remember when it, the defense was there. I think like, I know where you're going. Well, yeah. well, you might, you might know, like, I think there was a stretch um, when Sarge and Rocco showed up. They that, were awesome. Right. They were defending really well. And they had that 11 games, Yeah, 11 okay. games after the Butler trade. That's one. And I think they went eight and three Yeah, over that time. And they were third in defense yeah. in the league over that time. And that's what really triggered for me as a lot of people listen to this know, like I've been like super anti for a long time. Like I don't think you can play a conservative defensive scheme with cat as your center again for the size and all that. Yeah. But to Tibbs credit, like everyone thinks about Tibbs is like, you know, whether it's Joe Kim Noah or now Nerlens Noel, all this, like super conservative, drop your center back, whatever Mm -hmm. to Tibbs credit. And and I think why they went eight and three, was like, and some people, if you're watching the Timberwolves that year after they traded Jimmy Butler, it was like full bore, like cat and Rocco, like, out trapping mm-hmm. and scrambling the first i think the first game was against Oops, kemba walker and the, and the hornets and and they just and and i was like oh you know this is this is so aggressive and and it worked and then you know that the rest is kind of history there and that roko's knee blows up or he yeah. like gets hurt he misses a little bit of time maybe comes back for like one or two games yeah. and then shut down yeah there was so, another i think there was another one of these little mini segments the year no, a couple of years before. It was Tibbs' first year here after the All-Star break. Okay. And, and just, I think they had, I and you and or Britt might remember, but they had like, they came out like gangbusters after the All-Star break. Remember how disappointing the Tibbs start was? Like they were like, yeah. they were like eight and 25 or something. It was like, oh shit, this isn't any better than it ever <laughs> was. But they played really well after the All-Star break and Beal Itza was way more involved. And then he got hurt. Okay. And it was one of these things where, like, they lost one kind of bigger player, and, the, and then they lost all their games to finish that year. And that's how they got Chris Dunn. They moved, like, way up the draft. Mm-hmm. Right. But right. it was another situation where it's like you got kind of a like a 6'10 forward next to Cat with some some beef to him. And Gorgie Jang was probably getting more minutes back then, too. And his defensive numbers. We're starting, maybe. Yeah, his yeah, defensive numbers were, were always relatively good on the Wolves. But 
it, it's just so like fascinating <sighs> that we have all of these years and like don't really know what the best way to defend with cat is right yeah I, right? like, yeah. I, mean, like, I mean, I've got like, theories, all we could do but... is grab. T- yeah, we have theories. Yeah. I mean, we have theories. Yeah. I, I feel pretty strongly about my theories. Mm-hmm. But like, um, it's just what's, again, bizarre about the Rosa's tenure is they only tried one thing. Yeah. They only tried like mini ball next to cat and, you know, and, and it and it failed. And and so it's why it's so curious to me of like, it, is Chris Finch and Elston Turner the new defensive coordinator guy are they going to be able to like figure this out with cat at the five or yeah. is the answer that you can't have a good defense with cat as your five i think that might be an yeah, answer too. i and i i sometimes will write this or, or kind of repeat it but i think there's a kind of pretty clear relationship between towns offensive emphasis and role and his defensive performance like Totally. Like in particular, the transition stuff, which is always a problem. I, you know, when he's down on the block and he's working hard against, sometimes against defenders who are bigger and stronger than him, um, and he falls over a lot and he's he's (laughs) looking at the refs, like he's not a good defender in those moments. Whereas if he was like a little more Dirk Nowitzki, Kevin, late career Kevin Garnett ish, where he's at the top of the key more often not working quite so hard, not maybe not quite as involved in like the direct action, but he might just get more jump shots. Like well, I, it just makes sense, right? He's like back on if defense, he's going to be, get him back yeah. On D. yeah. So I'd, right. I'd if, like to see if he's going to be the focal point. <laughs> yeah. If he's going to be the focal point of the offense, like it's kind of hard to, to be, it's kind of asking a lot to ask him to be the defense super physical center yeah. anchor. Yeah. No, I mean, he's, there are a couple guys like MB probably does it. And, and Giannis does it. Um, for the most part, I think, uh, but Towns isn't those guys um, physically. I think he's got a he's, yeah. he's not going to ever. And even those guys, you know, there's always health questions with Embiid. You know, the toll he takes. It's hard to know how long his career will be. But you know, sure. at the end of the day, that guy can hang out on the block on both ends and, and be just a menace. But something I see some people now with Ben Simmons, the same always in the news. I see people saying like, I wonder how Embiid will be when Simmons isn't there to kind of support their D. So that that's right. a little. Um, footnote to that part of it well but maybe it, let's know, use it as a segue let's use it as a segue to, to, to yeah, talk okay. some actual benson yeah. let me take a quick break here i'll bring yep. it right back we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, back with Andy Grimsrud. Uh, we've been talking about his article at punchdrunkwolves.com about recapping the Gerson Rosa's regime. Check that out. Uh, we, we hit on the nuts and bolts of it. You had some other <laughs> exposures of faux culture and all those sorts of things that people could go read into that. But obviously, the um, I think a big question right now for, <laughs> oddly, with the season set to start like Tuesday. Yeah. Um, the question I think a lot of people have about the roster is like, is it done? You know, normally we're like, okay, this is the group. Like let's estimate what the starting lineups are, the rotations, this and that, that, that all seems to be buried obviously by this massive news bubble, yep. but also this like, you know, this looming Ben Simmons thing that is going to, you know, going to continue to loom to some degree and probably come to some sort of a head on Monday with him choosing to show up at training camp or not. And I think that's really when, if he doesn't show up, um, whether it's the Timberwolves or somebody else, that's when this, this action is going to start. So I guess that's all my way of saying like, where are you at on the, on the Ben Simmons front? What do you, what do you want to see happen? And where, where do you feel that this is going? Um, you know, I go, I kind of joked about this on Twitter, but it's kind of like daily different thoughts. I, I, I have a hard time maintaining a strict, Ben Simmons take um, because I'm kind of back and forth between the excitement of what uh, a Towns Edwards Simmons core could generate. I mean, if you, if it's like, if there's some chemistry there and they get some decent role players to fill in the blanks, I mean, that could like the all-star potential of all three guys that could be a top, that could be a championship core. It could be I'm not saying it, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be this year. I don't think, but it could be in like a, right. maybe one to three years, like Simmons and cat in particular, you can almost set Edwards to the side. Um, for a, well, just, I mean, you need, you need Edwards to take you do. a step towards Luca. You do. You need Edwards to be the late game shot creator guy. Cause it, it obviously mm-hmm. ain't Simmons and cats kind of not really that either because of his size and just the position he plays, but like Simmons cat for, you know, just could say the first 40 minutes of the game. I mean, the offensive perfect, the perfect like um, chemistry with Simmons being uh, just a bull of a guy who can get inside and just overwhelm people, but maybe doesn't finish. It doesn't want to shoot the ball. Well, cat maybe needs to do a little more shooting and a little less pretending to be the strongest guy in the gym. <laughs> like we just talked about, you know, get, if you want cat on the top of the team more, well, maybe you get like the most physically impressive ball handler in the league to be his sidekick. So super excited about what that would look like. But at the same time, you know, there's a reason that teams aren't 
putting their best offers out. I mean, Ben Simmons had a horrible playoffs and can't shoot, doesn't shoot. Um, like personality wise, I'm not totally sure. I, I, I frankly, I haven't followed some of the like, you know, uh, uh, celebrity girlfriend stuff. Like there's a lot of like kind of funny chatter about Simmons. Simmons I'm not fully up on. I'm not totally sure what kind of guy he is like, I'm losing trust in Towns as a guy who I think is going to want to be here. And, and like, if we get two, if our two, two of our three guys, yeah, two question marks. Yeah. Right, right. I, I have enough fear that it, the whole thing just kind of would flop and flop relatively qu- quickly uh, that I don't want to see like four first round picks go out the door. Um, yeah. And it, I kind of just think two first rounders, you probably got to just really painfully say goodbye to Jaden McDaniels. Uh, and then whatever else salary applies, well, but that that see that's like the the interesting part, and you know something I I talk about a lot is I think and and you talked about kind of in your article too where this team uh, has been there for a while now, kind of needs to decide if they're trying to win with Cat now, yeah, or move into another window that is, you know, the quote unquote rebuild, right? The good part is, is like if you're taking that rebuild path, it's already underway yep. when you have Ant and Jade McDaniels, um, you know, in, in the fold. Plus, like the idea that if you do need to, like, cut bait with Cat, like you're going to get a bunch back from him. And so Ant plus Jaden plus like a bunch of Cat, like that's like, that's a, a, attractive too. Mm-hmm. it's I, I, I think like I think the basketball fit of Ben Simmons is like really slept on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think like. I think I just generally fall on the gradient of like <laughs> he's a lot better than what I see people putting him out there as just generally as a, of, of how good he is. I think his fit with Cat, as we, we talk about the, the question marks about the defense, like you answer a lot of those oh, yeah. um, with Ben Simmons. But even as somebody who's very into Ben Simmons, like by trading for Ben Simmons, you have now leaned into the Cat and D'Lo window, which... I'm not totally against that. Unless like D-Lo's, D-Lo's, unless Delo's out in the deal, which yeah, you, you're right. I, feel I guess like there's like a 50 percent chance he probably would be. I don't know. Right. I, I guess window, I would put, cat window for sure. The cat window, the, or the the more mature window, the more now window, right? Yep. And and I know everyone's like, man, well, we got to do now. It's been forever. Yada yada yada. Uh, I just like I would have some some fear because, like you said, if it does, you know, if it does flame out. Then you know we've lost Jaden McDaniel's in the process, you know picks in the process, and that rebuild side of it, it is if things flop, it's not as good. It's only Anthony Edwards, which is still a lot. Yeah. But um, that it's it's kind of weird. Like I know this isn't possible, but just with like the variables out there right now, if we could just if we could magically sort of move them around in a way that wouldn't make actually make sense in a trade. But if you could get it so it's Ben Simmons, Anthony Edwards, and Jade McDaniels all on the team, like, yeah, I love that. I, yeah, that's I, that's I, an interesting idea. I I barely even that's thoughts almost not crossed my mind, but it did the other day, and I kind of thought I would probably do that. You know, Simmons has four years left on his deal, just kind mm-hmm. of. I mean, that's one more than Towns, right? One more than Towns, yeah. One more than Towns, and like pass more of a natural passer more of a defender, which I think Ant could benefit from playing with, you know, I know I, I, I agree with what you're saying. That's not, and, a, it's not. A crazy and if you're thought. doing that, 
if you're doing that, it's not just Ant plus Jaden's plus Simmons. It's also Cat liquidated, right? So it's Ant plus Jaden plus Simmons plus whatever Cat brings back. Right. Now you're going to have to have given out something in the process to get Simmons. And again, this isn't going to work because it's... Yeah. But you know, if I'm just sitting here like... The I kind of like the fit of, of that and what the the asset, you know, reasonably estimating what it would have cost to get Simmons and Cat. It's not like fantasy football or yeah. like your DraftKings lineup where yeah. you like take yeah. out fifty eight hundred and put in whatever. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. There, there's there's like that to me is a cool middle between the Ant Jaden rebuild thing and the all in on the Cat window. Yeah. now sort of deal that isn't probably isn't possible yeah. but as we've been sitting here for many months of like nothingness on this other than oh, maybe ben simmons it's like your mind starts to wander and that's where mine's gone to well, and no I, I think that is an interesting thought experiment even if it's probably not likely that they'd go that route but um to sort of jump back to like my gripes with rosas's first moves and gutting the roster of those veterans like the really unsexy part of a cat trade might be getting a couple of those types along with, you know, your centerpiece type, like the, the guts of a cat trade would involve like one yeah. shiny new object, you know, a, a right. young player with upside and picks. Um, but then you might, you know, contract filler wise, you might be able to get some guys, preferably ones that have more than like an expiring contract, uh, who actually could yeah, round, like, like round a Tobias out, Harris, yeah, guys, something like guys that. Guys are going to round out a real NBA rotation to give a little infrastructure for Jaden and Ant to play basketball with. So they're not, Ant's not kicking the ball out to Josh Okogi. I'm, I'm, just to make right. one example of a guy whose offense is real not good. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it wouldn't hurt to have like a Morris twin standing there once in a while <laughs> to just catch and shoot. You know what I mean? Just right. make it feel like you're you're supported by NBA players more than some of these guys have been i, I don't know i think they've overloaded well it's the idea of building like more linearly than exponentially right like the yeah. rosa's plan was very clearly like you know don't waste any assets or money yeah on a morris twin right like instead get jordan bell and noah vonley <sighs> yeah. for nothing right yeah. and, and 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 do that and have them maybe be 70 percent of that which they ended up obviously not being, and I do think it's it like a, that honestly, that was probably a, a, a bigger disagreement I had with you at the time was, was just like, keep competence in place. And I was like, what does competence matter if you're going to be bad, no matter what? But uh, the argument for competence is that development, right? Yeah. It's the, in that situation, it was in Kat's development coming into his prime. And in this situation with Ant and Jaden, it's like, you know, if you don't put some competence around them, then it's kind of like Wiggins and Levine back in the day. Yeah. Right. And it's, that you're going to win one out of 10 or something. I mean, you know, maybe more than that. They're just overexposed yeah. a little bit. Yeah. You're the best you're going to get is a good quarter, maybe two. And you're going <laughs> right. to, you're going to lose the game if it's against a decent team. And, and it wasn't that bad last, the last two years. It wasn't as bad as the Wiggins Levine. That that was a right. that was a uh, admirable tank job. I mean that was that was <laughs> that was top to bottom. I mean that was like we got two yeah. two high schoolers here. We're gonna more or less, you know, they're teenagers, and we're 
we're going to just play him out of position. Throw him out there with Justin <laughs> Hamilton and, and see see how it how it goes. But Lorenzo Brown, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. hey, he got Towns out of it, so he got a return True. on his investment. That's that's why True. teams tank. But I I do think that um I think both Anthony Edwards and Jade McDaniel's would kind of struggle in that environment because I think Ant what would yeah. just Ant would end up taking so much of the pie that. He, you know, he does have a propensity to get inefficient, right? Yeah. Like, I, I think if it was, if it was like, you know, full rebuild around those two, mm-hmm. I don't think Ant's shooting numbers would yeah. end up being very good. I think, and then with Jaden, you know, not that we can learn all that much from summer league, but like, we, we probably got to kind of let go of the Jaden's going to be this his own independent like shot creator. Yeah star in that sort of way what what Jaden is great at is being like an elite role player yeah who you know you know you want him to be able to put the ball on the floor a little bit but like he's probably I don't know and you know you never want to say never I just <laughs> I think Jaden McDaniels would struggle if he ran like 250 high pick and rolls this year yeah right as the ball handler and but would he come out of it Five years later, looking like Zach, a six nine Zach Levine, maybe. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, but that's that's yeah, I, sort of what they did with Levine. We're like, this guy's a freak. It is. This guy's a freak. Uh, give him the ball and just let him learn. <laughs> yeah, and I th- I do think that it's weird. I oddly haven't really thought about Ant and Jaden versus Wiggins and Levine. Yeah, which is oddly kind of similar. Yeah, actually, actually is. Cause I, you're just, I haven't really either, to be honest, but you're right. We're so distracted by cat. I <laughs> yeah. guess now that we've, now that we've like yeah. magically traded cat off of this team, mm-hmm. uh, like it, it is, it is interesting, but they, but they are different because, um, well, like Levine is a one way player and, uh, and McDaniels isn't yeah. right? right. When, when it, when it, it comes to fruition, which maybe like takes away some ceiling from McDaniels, that, you know, that Zach looks like he's, you know, trending towards, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe we're, we're, we're dipping too far into like yeah. that path, but I, again, I go back to this idea that I like both paths, mm-hmm. which is every other time that major dysfunction is kind of like hit the Timberwolves, right? We're like, okay, dysfunction. And like, do we have to clear the roster all over? Like, like the Tibbs time yeah. do we have to trade. Taj Gibson's and Jeff Teague's and Gorgie Jenks and all that. Like the good part in these really dark Timberwolves times is like the roster's pretty ready to go, right? Yeah. Like in one direction or the other, yeah. just standing pad is even not going to be that bad either. It should be okay. Yeah, I, I agree. It's this isn't a depressing time. And the Rosas news, in terms of as a Wolves fan, like um, I listened to you and Britt's pod from the other day, and I, I sensed Britt was pretty. Like his knee jerk reaction was kind of to be just a little distraught about it, like in terms of how just terrible the timing was. But uh, I don't think this that it. I would. I think the only thing that it does um, potentially compromise, which I think he talked about or tweeted about, one of the two is um, the Simmons trade. I I I tend to think that that could take the wolves out of the running for it in terms of what will happen. Cause I, so I, I'll I say, what do you think? I'll say that was my initial inclination. Yeah. But, um, just from talking to people like, no, I think it's like, still, going. it's not live. It's not live right now. Like nothing's live with yeah. Simmons right now, but it's going to get live on Monday. Hmm. 
for the Timberwolves or for anybody if Simmons doesn't show up. Like everyone, as I understand it, is just waiting for that. Yeah. And Daryl Morey's over there playing chicken with, you know, with Simmons and Clutch. Yeah. And I think <laughs> I think he's going to lose that game of chicken yeah. and, you know, and Simmons isn't going to come. And and if not, like it, 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 it's this is like reporting anything crazy. It's it's kind of what everyone's assumed the whole time, right? Like then they then the Sixers lose some leverage. Yeah. Then the price drops down to a point where again, not just the Timberwolves, but another team is might be able to get Ben Simmons for a package they feel more comfortable with making. And for the Timberwolves, you know, a package that that they might feel more willing to make that doesn't like I mean, no matter what happens, like you said, it's gonna hurt some. Yeah. Like even if the Sixers lose some leverage, like Jade McDaniels is probably going out yeah. in in the deal, um, along with pick. You know, it's it's gonna hurt some. Yeah. But it's a lot different than like a load, right? Like yeah. paying the full boat for him. And if we get to Monday, the full boat option is is off. But I would, you know, it's a, it's a fascinating like it's a fascinating situation for Sasha Gupta, right? Yeah, I like, just I, I'm. I think they're going to empower Sasha and Gupta to do the job. Um, but like, let you know, like when, uh, when the rubber meets the road or whatever you're supposed to say, like say that Philly uh, opens the door to a Wolves trade and it's a big, it's a big ask. Um, Cause I, from what I can hear from you, people like you and John and everyone, I, I don't get the sense there's even been a offer with the Wolves to this point. Are you, like that they've no they they've talked but have they talked but do you but sense, like do you sense there has been an offer presented to the Timberwolves or is it maybe just the reverse like maybe we've made yeah I don't no I don't think there has been an offer presented yeah. to the Wolves it doesn't I, seem like I, it but like let's just and that's not just the Wolves that's like everywhere like yeah. Maury hasn't he's probably made one for Damian Lillard probably oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. outside of Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal that's yeah. what they've been holding off for the sure. whole time. But like, um, let's just say hypothetically, like things aren't going anywhere with Portland. They make it clear we're going, you know, this is our team, blah, blah, blah. And like nothing's going with Beal. And they say, yeah. okay, Timberwolves, you know, like D'Angelo Russell, Jaden McDaniels, four first round picks and, and three, two first round pick swaps. Like does Gupta have the ability to do a trade like that without heavy involvement from like Lori and, and A-Rod yeah. and everyone? Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. I have a well, hard I'll say two things to that. That's a One, franchise shaking trade. Like the next guy yeah. you want to hire may not take the job if he doesn't have his <laughs> next four picks. It's not going to be four. Yeah. That, that it, It's not going to be all that. Um, but, and as, as Mark Stein reported today, and, you know, I, I've heard this as well. Like Mark Laurie wants to be splashy. And that was Mark, what Stein reported today was, that they pursued Masai Ujiri this summer, even offered him like a stake in ownership to, you know, I missed to, that report. To, well, that, that part might not have been in it, but yeah, no, they, 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 they pursued Masai Ujiri very, that they, they wanted, I mean, what I'm trying to say is like, they want to like go. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they want, they want to have studs in the front office and studs on the roster, which, you know, everyone wants too. Yeah. But I think, what people should glean from this, you know, this pursuit or want for a high-end executive is they also, you know, they have a want to bring in, you know, high-level players too. So I don't think it's going to be one of those things where if Sashin has what he deems to be 
a fair deal that does sacrifice future assets. I don't think Mark Laurie is going to be sitting there blocking yeah. it. You know what you just I, made I, that whole con- that whole description just made me think of was uh, uh, when um, the Russian guy took over the Nets. I can't. I'm, 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 I'm Pro- Prokhorov. Prokhorov. He yeah. wanted to be splashy, and so what is he? I mean, he made. They were making some of the worst trades. I don't think. I think he had a general manager. Darren Williams. Yeah. yeah. Like. Uh, Mm-hmm. I mean, he oh, got was that big. no? That was KG and Pierce. KG and Pierce was a horrible one. I mean, those, they were yeah. they ended up getting Celtics got some studs out of that. Probably Brown mm-hmm. and Tatum. Maybe I can't remember how the order went, but yeah, but yeah, like the, the Nets wanted to be like splashy and the new owners, and it's like, oh man, you can do some bad things when that's the con. That's the the mantra, right? Well, that's that's <laughs> what we don't know about A Rod and Laurie. I mean, you'd yeah. like to think that they're you know that there's going to be some guardrails there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I think like right now, like the only guardrail is Sasha Gupta. Yeah. There, there's nobody else there. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have Ethan Cassins, the CEO right now. Right. Um, but we're also in a situation where it's very possible that A-Rod and Lori come in and replace everything. Right. No, like, that's true. So, so are the guardrails lame ducks? <laughs> Like, what does that do when you're in a negotiation yeah. process as well? So it's, uh, you know, it's a. <laughs> it's very it strange. It's very strange <laughs> that the, right. well, it's very strange that the Timberwolves are now owned by Alex Rodriguez. I mean, can I just say that? I mean, like the most famous yeah, but, baseball player of my life, probably. I mean, <laughs> top three but, anyway. Like, what? is that even is that even like top three strangest thing that's happened since the season ended? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it might be top five, yeah. top six. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's the Timberwolves, man. They're weird. Yeah. Like it, it, but you know, I don't think. I mean, my opinion on it is, you you could have you know concerns that A Rod and Laurie are going to be Prokhorov. Like, sure, we don't know. May I guess that's possible. But I view it as you know, Glenn out replaced by anyone is yeah. very likely to be an upgrade. Right. Um, and now the weird part is that that's not clear. Like there's still two more years on all, all that part of it. What's the autonomy level? Yeah, he's, getting, and, he's already been sued by his minority owners. I think that's done, right? Then they dismiss that or something. I, see, that's another, that's another crazy that we forgot about yeah. from over the past yeah. five months. Like, right uh, so sale. exactly. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I am personally, uh, as the guy who said I was like blinded by the light of Gerson Rosas at the beginning, personally, I'm, uh, I'm very intrigued by Mark Laurie. The times I've talked to him, he seems really sharp. Um, like he doesn't necessarily know basketball ins and outs well. Yeah. Um, but I think like ownership can be a huge advantage in sport sports. I think he has the potential to be that. Yeah. And then I'm like, even outside of like personally getting to know Sasha and Gupta some, like I, I've been a fan of the idea of the process and what was going down there yep. eight years ago, 10 years ago, whatever that is now. And just kind of that, like I was saying, that like theory of, of, of winning on the margins, not necessarily like tanking to get all the way back, but the, the modern Sam Hinkie style of building, like Sasha and Gupta was there for that. I think I, I don't, <laughs> they really want to get a Masai Ujiri or a, 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 crazy top executive when they might just have one yeah get like, the next one i mean it's not like we say yeah Shiri was uh clearly gonna be that i mean or or what about you know what about sam presti back in the day like that was this that was the same thing he just kind of gets elevated into it um tim Connolly, like these are 
who's the, the Denver Denver's GM. Like sometimes these, the best guys are, you know, they're younger. They, they, they grow, they, they grow into the position. And, um, I don't know, like Sashin's coming in under fire, but personally from what I can gather, like, I, I don't know. I, you could be in a much worse position right now, yeah. giving somebody else the reins to this uh, after needing to fire your president of basketball operations. Like, I kind of feel like I kind of like it. I like, I like his uh, his pedigree and what he's where he comes from as far as is all that. Um, but I, in trying to just think about what has worked for the Wolves, like I've you know this because you can tick off all the ones that you know, to varying degrees failed. It's almost right. everybody, you know, in some respects, you know, like, uh, obviously you could say Rosas, uh, Tibbs, Khan, Mikhail. I mean, <laughs> they, like in very various ways and to various degrees, they all kind of failed. Um, but like what has worked and I feel like the, what's worked has been, you know, big, like, basketball people with some credibility like flip mm-hmm. saunders when he when he and mikhail started i think they were a pretty credible duo um mikhail i think probably got lazy at the job and and let the game sort of pass him over time but i think he and flip when they showed up were very in tune with what the nba was and, and they were huge huge profile especially mikhail um and, and I think when Flip came back, he had a presence about him that commanded a lot of respect and credibility you know, here and around the league. And, and I don't know who that would be now. I don't know if Garnett it, could come back. That's the name everyone's going to always bring up when these things happen. But how about just like any influence from a former player? Like, yeah. obviously, you don't want to hire Charles Barkley to like run your organization, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, and or and like the whole pass them by the games, pass them by sort of thing. We, we do this thing where, you know, the former pro athletes, they don't get today's game but i mm-hmm. a thing a, a thing that jace frederick pointed out to me at one point over over the time he's like you ever think about how like rosa's entire front office has like no former player no nobody with any actual basketball right play, like, that's playing like that's kind of what i was getting yeah. at without saying it that way but that's kind of what i'm saying like gupta isn't gonna fit, check that box and and uh mm-hmm. It wouldn't hurt but to get, he might be somebody who's willing to do that. Right. No, if they could, like, I think a, a figurehead who has meaningful input, um, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like not someone who cares about the minutia, like leave that to, right. to, to the, to the folks oh, yeah. like Satch and Gupta and, and his staff, but somebody who like a, yeah. I mean, like what Larry Bird did, or um, I don't know, there's several examples that I'm not going to, remember them all but you know somebody who brings because mm-hmm. this this are this is a special, just like a middle ground right this is like, a special project it's not a normal team <laughs> like you can you gotta it's not um taken over like the indiana pacers or or the memphis grizzlies or something like that like uh, there's no there's no good political capital here there's no there's no trust mm-hmm. in the fan base i mean it's it's just been too many things right. have gone wrong they need somebody to sort of just kind of Bring it, bring it together. <laughs> and what, what I will say, what, what I understand about Sashin is, is I think he is a listener a lot more than Rosa's was like in that. I think his ideal front office is, is a group of people who, um, who are going to like put it all together out, like together in the group. And yes, Sashin has like last call, but it, I think it'll be, the collaboration that Rosa said was going on 
it wasn't a collab. He said that right. because it sounded good yeah. to have that. I I think that's like who Sashin is a lot more in in just being like, uh, let's get all the perspectives here together and make a logical, strategic decision, you know, going yeah. forward. And um, so he needs to get the right voices in the room. I don't know who those are. We don't know who those are. But, you know, I think that's the optimistic, like, vision if, if this is Sashin's deal like for you know for the future like yeah he's the guy but Chris Finch has a lot to say the other people in the front office have a lot to say and you know the I mean a, a fatal flaw of the last two regimes is Tibbs had too much power and Rosas had too much power yeah that's a good that's a good point um so balance that out a little bit mm-hmm. right and you know don't do anything crazy because Rosas at that trade deadline, Rosas took over and was the full-on czar yeah. of of this of this team. He gave up more for D'Angelo Russell than the rest of the people in the front office that like agreed to to do so for. Um, as terms of protections, that other second round pick they put in there, taking back players that pushed them into the luxury tax, all that. Yeah. Same thing goes for like they had. They had agreed on walkaway numbers on Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez and Gerson decided that, you know, it was worth it to go higher. And, and you know, obviously that was a, not a good move with Wancho, but it might have yeah. been a, that might have been smart with Malik. Yeah. Like Malik's been really good at basketball yeah. in his time here. But that's like kind of when we say there was that isn't like dysfunction. That's just kind of more power. Um, a lot of people in that front office have not had say. For a while, it's been one person acting independently, and that sounds a lot of a lot like the Tibbs uh, era, and a lot of what sunk Tibbs ultimately. Um, you know whether that's yeah. whether that's right or wrong. I, I just think that's what, as I understand it, that's what you know both of them did. So it's it's going to be fascinating, man. I mean, we'll we'll see we'll see what like Sashin's going to be put in the fire on Monday, <laughs> yeah. and like holy cow. Um, We'll see if A-Rod and Lori can like provide a distraction or something in the morning. You know, hopefully Ant brings like all of his pets and yeah. those are yeah. distracting or whatever. But yep. it's uh I mean, here we go. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Always is. Well, Andy, I appreciate you doing this and everybody we, we kind of talked about his article, but uh Andy lays it out well as a as a rational tib stand, I would say, and it, it is it is article. Check that out at punchdrunkwolves.com. Uh, Obviously, follow Andy on Twitter at at PD Wolves. Uh, I hope to see you uh, at games yeah, this season. I hope to, I hope to be at, at some. Probably not as many as I used to, but I hope to I hope to still be around. Well, we'll see what that whole access world, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, look, looks like this year too. I don't think we'll be in the locker rooms, but yeah. just fun. You know, it's. As you know, it's a it's a different perspective when you're sitting there at the games where we sat, you know, next to the bench. <laughs> you pick up on some stuff, you know. Yep, what I mean? so, absolutely. I appreciate you doing it, Andy. Um, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Again, follow Andy there. I'm Dane at Dane Moore NBA. I will talk to you on Media Day. Until then, peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stop. Yeah, green and hot, so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever ever bring you down. Yeah, hope you dancing like nobody else around. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.